The Lord told Joseph Smith that a great and marvelous work was about to come forth among the children of men. A marvelous work needs marvelous workers, and the Lord led some wonderful people to help Joseph accomplish this great work. One of these was a man named Joseph Knight Sr., who lived with his large family in Colesville, New York, about 30 miles north of Harmony, where Joseph and Emma lived. Father Knight met Joseph in 1826 when he hired him as a day laborer. He said that he was a boy of truth and the best hand he ever hired. When Joseph began courting Emma, he loaned him a horse and sleigh so he could see her. Joseph trusted the older man enough to tell him about his vision of Moroni and the gold plates. Father Knight wrote, We were told in secret, and my two older brothers did not believe in such things. But my father and I believed what he told us. I think we were the first after his father's family. They became loyal friends, and he was at the Smith home the night Joseph obtained the gold plates from Moroni, and was one of the first Joseph told about the Urim and Thummim. He was a prosperous man, and was able to support Joseph's work of translation with money, food, supplies, and encouragement. One spring day, Joseph and Oliver had to stop translating when they ran out of supplies, and went to see Father Knight. He wasn't home. When he heard they needed help, he traveled to Harmony with much-needed paper and supplies. It may have been on this visit that he was very anxious to know his duty as to the work, and asked what the Lord would have him do to help with the restoration. Joseph prayed and received section 12 in May 1829. Like sections 4, 6, and 11, it begins by telling about a great and marvelous work— God's word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, it tells of a field that is white already to harvest, and whosoever desires to reap should thrust in his sickle with his might all day long to treasure up everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. The Lord said, If we ask him, we will receive, and if we knock, it shall be opened unto us. He told Father Knight to keep his commandments and seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. The Lord did not just speak to him, but to all who desire to be a part of bringing forth and establishing this work, and told them to be humble and full of love, have faith, hope, and charity, and be temperate in all things entrusted to their care. The revelation ends with the Lord saying, I am the light and the life of the world that we should give heed with our might, and then we are called. Father Knight obeyed this revelation and tried to live these righteous characteristics throughout his life. He did all he could to help Joseph with his work of bringing forth the Book of Mormon. He took him in his wagon to Fayette to organize the church in April 1830 and in his sleigh when Joseph and Emma moved to Ohio in 1831. Joseph Smith said, he was first to administer to my necessities while I was laboring in the commencement of bringing forth the work of the Lord and laying the foundation of the church. He was faithful and true, even-handed, exemplary, virtuous, and kind, never deviating to the right hand or to the left. He is a righteous man. Section 13 came in May 1829, when Joseph and Oliver were most likely translating Third Nephi and had a question about baptism. They realized no one on earth at that time had power or authority to baptize for the remission of sins, and went into the woods near the Susquehanna River to ask the Lord in what Oliver described as fervent prayer. A messenger from heaven descended in a cloud of light and laid his hands on them, saying, 
Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels and of the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. And this shall never be taken again from the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. Joseph said this was John the Baptist in the New Testament, acting under the direction of Peter, James, and John, who held the Melchizedek priesthood keys that would be given to them later. Many important truths were revealed in section 13. We learn the Aaronic priesthood holds the keys of the ministering of angels, available to all church members and not just priesthood holders. An angel is any heavenly being bearing God's message and can minister to us in many ways. They can appear to us in person or be unseen, and their messages can be delivered by a voice we hear or by thoughts or feelings in our mind. The Aaronic Priesthood holds the keys of the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion for the remission of our sins. The sacrament renews the covenants and blessings of baptism when we repent. And Aaronic Priesthood holders perform these ordinances that allow church members who worthily partake of the sacrament to have the Lord's Spirit be with them along with the ministering of angels. The revelation ends with John telling us that this restored priesthood will never be taken again from the earth until the sons of Levi, or as Oliver remembered it, may yet offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. After the Israelites fled Egypt, Moses was commanded to ordain Aaron and his sons, who were of the tribe of Levi, as priests for the people. Levite males were ordained as priests to assist them, and Aaron and his sons were given the presidency over the priesthood. Since then, it's been known as the priesthood of Aaron, including the Levitical priesthood. John the Baptist conferred the priesthood upon Joseph and Oliver and gave them restored priesthood keys. He then told them to baptize each other using the authority he'd just given them, which shows the Lord's way of delegation, allowing his servants to use their own priesthood power. It's interesting that Joseph exercised his new priesthood power by baptizing Oliver first, showing us that the priesthood is used to serve others. The Holy Ghost fell upon Oliver, and he prophesied many things. He then baptized Joseph, who prophesied of the rise of the church and other things. They ordained each other to the Aaronic priesthood, and Joseph said we were filled with the Holy Ghost and rejoiced in the God of our salvation. The Spirit enlightened their minds, and the scriptures were laid open to their understanding, with many mysterious passages revealed to them in a manner they'd never thought of before. They were forced to keep their receiving the priesthood and baptisms a secret because of persecution. Joseph wrote that even though they were threatened by mobs, they were protected by divine providence, and with the help of Emma's father and her family, they were able to continue the work of translation. The restoration of the Aaronic priesthood was the first divine authority given in this dispensation, and John the Baptist was sent to restore it because he was the last legal administrator under the Mosaic law. He held both the Aaronic priesthood and the keys of the ministering of angels, the gospel of repentance, and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, along with the highest Aaronic priesthood office of presiding bishop, which was also held by Aaron. A few weeks later, 
Peter, James, and John conferred upon Joseph and Oliver, the Melchizedek priesthood, with the authority, knowledge, and covenants necessary for the exaltation of God's children. Joseph Smith received many revelations that help us understand priesthood keys, offices, ordinances, blessings, and duties. The priesthood is God's eternal power and authority used to create the earth, and by it he governs the heavens and redeems and exalts his children. He gives a portion of this power to worthy male church members so they can bless his children and help prepare them for exaltation. When priesthood holders are set apart to serve, they receive keys that authorize them to use the priesthood to bless others. Priesthood is the power, and keys are the permission to use that power. We perform priesthood ordinances and act in authority in the name of Jesus Christ, which means we should do what he would do if he were here, and the closer we follow his example, the more of his power will be with us. When we follow gospel laws and act in harmony with priesthood power, whatever we do is just as binding and valid as if the Lord, who we received our authority from, had performed the act himself. While only worthy male church members hold the priesthood, all may partake of its blessings through his servants here on the earth.